Hi listeners, it's Kat here from Cast a Guest. I just wanted to take a quick minute outside of the show to let you know about empowerment coaching. I know this is probably confusing a lot of people right now. Outside of telling you about true crime, I work as a life coach, helping others achieve their goals, break down barriers, eliminate limiting beliefs, or anything else a person may need guidance to achieve their most authentic life. The world has been upside down since 2020, and I know a lot of us may be lost, confused, or unsure as to what we want and how to get there. If you think speaking with a life coach may help you, please feel free to contact me at alteregowellness at outlook.com or at alteregowell on Instagram. Okay, now back to our show. Hi there, folks. How's it going? How's it going? You smell that? Smells like a murder. This time it's a double with a dash of suicide. We also got a whole bunch of different acronyms with the letter W and uh, a roped square called a ring. That's right, folks. We're going to be talking about Chris Benoit. I'm sure most of you would know this if you are, you know, um, wrestling fans. If you're not a wrestling fan, There's a shallow part in your life that you can't seem to fill. You probably sit there on your couch, you know, maybe like on a Thursday night, and you're not bored, but you don't know what to do. And you're like, oh, should I fill this with drinking, maybe video gaming? Maybe I'll watch some, some like, football or whatever. But nothing helps. And the reason for that is because you're not a wrestling fan. So, (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that. Okay, let's talk about Chris Benoit. And uh, grab yourself a drink or six. This one's going to be a long one, if you haven't already noticed. I'm John. And I'm Kat. And I'm Kat. <laughs> and I have a sensuous voice. I have a question for you. Yeah? How much woo could Ric Flair woo if Ric Flair could woo woo? <laughs> woo! Did Sting also woo? I think he had a woo, didn't he? All right, he? we are going to be putting uh, our fans to sleep. I'm John. And I'm Kat. And this, brother, is Castagast. COVID. No, it's uh, no, it's not COVID. It's not COVID. Thing. It's not. It's not COVID. Uh, we're just laughing because we were watching while well, we were eating. We were eating breakfast for dinner. And we were listening to one of those old Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant, Carl Pilkington podcast podcasts. And I forgot how stupid, how much of a laugh it was yeah, listening it was... to Carl Pilkington. Like, just imagine, like, you direct, like, you just narrate your life the way he, like, <laughs> talks about anything. Just, like, like I just imagine, like, my day, like, today. Just, like, oh, I was, I was just walking around my living room, staring at my cat slick the, the vaginas, right? And, oh, my God. And the dog was staring at them, and... And I thought to myself, my God, I have uh, 
I've got to take a third shit again. Why does I have to take a third shit? And then I, it dawns on me, right? You see, I drank a bit last night, so I got the I got a wee bit of the swamp ass. <laughs> so I go upstairs and I sit down with my phone. And I notice before I sit down that there's not much toilet paper, right? So right, I look at it and I think to myself, all right, so well, there's probably enough there for just... Uh, it's a third poo. It's just a third poo, so... <laughs> There should be enough there. So I sit down and, <laughs> you know, I do it, what every man does. Is I sit down and I just take a poo and you're watching porn. You know? <laughs> and you start getting a boner. I think it's starting to go Australian. <laughs> <laughs> starting to get a boner. All right. So, we no, have I'm not done yet. A long <laughs> one I'm not starting to get a boner. Well, you get a bit of an erection. And you know, it's awful when you, you get an erection while sitting on a toilet because your penis inevitably touches the the cold porcelain <laughs> and you think to yourself my goodness i'm gonna have a yeast infection after this but <laughs> you keep watching whatever porn you like right it's, you know, i don't shame anyone you know so it's some sister porn and or some biracial thing and and i i was like okay well i'm done i i, I want a bit of a wee wank now so a post post fecal wank is what i I'm in the mood for, and so I, I wipe my bum, and uh, I go through a few squares of toilet paper, and, and sure enough, I run out of toilet paper, and the toilet paper, you know, cupboard is behind my head above the toilet. Can we wrap so, this up? <laughs> I'm not done yet. Babe. <laughs> Lisa Fish. No, we have a long one. Wrap it up. <laughs> the toilet. Okay. We're no, I'm not done yet. The toilet paper is behind me. And uh, unfortunately, I can't get it because you see, when you have an erection while you're on the toilet, you kind of lock yourself in place. So I'm trying to just swivel my body. So I'm going stinky ass first up and then out because my penis won't allow me to rid myself, wouldn't allow me to emancipate myself from the toilet lid. Okay, we need to wrap this up now. <laughs> God. Give us a very brief disclaimer so we can get on with this. Clearly. Brief disclaimer. Um, if it wasn't obvious, we are a true crime podcast. <laughs> and we like to keep things light by because um, rape, murder, and torture and all that shit is awful. And if you can't laugh at that, uh, you're probably just going to be fucking crying and get depressed the whole time. So for our own sanity... We have to laugh at it a bit, right? So you got to laugh. Okay, great. Thank you. So if uh, if you want a serious podcast on true crime, go somewhere else. For the rest of you, let's have a bit of alcohol, right? A little bit of brown liquor and uh, enjoy this lengthy, lengthy uh, story involving true crime and murder. Good well, luck. Good luck. And thank you. I'm just going to take this microphone and move it entirely in front of me. You're done now. I'm drinking wine. Uh, I'll let you know when the shots are taken. All right. Are you ready? No. All right. Get on with the goddamn show. <laughs> okay. Today we're talking about Christopher Michael Benoit. Christopher Benoit was born May 21st, 1967 in Montreal, Canada to parents Michael and Margaret Benoit. His father described Chris as, quote, an obsessive child who was totally in love with the idea of becoming a wrestler, end quote. 
As a child, he idolized wrestlers Tom Dynamite Kid Billington and Bret Hart. Chris was on his high school wrestling and bodybuilding teams and won numerous awards. He was dead set on becoming a world-class wrestler. He trained at the Hart Family Dungeon, a wrestling gym located in the basement of the Hart Mansion, receiving training from Stu Hart, the father of wrestlers Bret and Owen Hart. It is said that his gym produced some of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yep, yep, in the, the wrestling myths. In the tome of wrestling history, we find here. Chris Benoit. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> Chris Benoit started his wrestling career in 1985 in Stu Hart's Stampede Wrestling Promotion, which is just a fancy way of saying a wrestling show. The most prominent promotions being WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, Impact Wrestling, and Ring of Honor. It wasn't WWE back then, though. No. It was but... the WWF, World Wildlife Foundation. <laughs> Chris emulated his childhood idols by adopting some of their famous moves, like Bret Hart's sharpshooter finishing move and Billington's diving headbutt and snap suplex. Snap suplex. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. Sounds like what I did on the toilet. Chris Benoit's initial billing name was even Dynamite Chris Benoit, like his idol Tom Dynamite Kid Billington. In Chris's first match, he performed the diving headbutt before learning how to correctly land, which resulted in him having the wind knocked out of him. No shit. He never performed that move again. <laughs> Must have been so dramatic. Oh my god. Like, no, yeah. I will not do that. Chris won his first title at the Stampede British Commonwealth mid-heavyweight on March 18th, 1988. He won against Gamma Singh. During his time with Stampede, he won four more tag team titles and three more British Commonwealth titles. In 1989, Stampede closed its doors. And with that, Chris joined New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh, man, going up in the world. Is it just me or British Commonwealth Wrestling? So I know. It does, does not sound it sounds like, like you WWE. should have a, like an underbite. It's like, oh, hello, I shall suplex you. Starting at New Japan Pro Wrestling, he spent a year training in their New Japan Dojo. He oh my god, they call it a dojo. That's he, outstanding. He spent months doing push-ups and floor sweeping before they even had... It's, it's read, read the words. Stop. He spent months doing push-ups and floor sweeping. Floor sweeping. He spent months doing push-ups and floor sweeping before they even had him step in the ring. He made his debut with them in 1986 under his real name, Chris Benoit. In 1989, he began wearing a mask and adopted the name The Pegasus Kid. At first, he hated the mask, but then he eventually stated that it became part of him. In 1990, he won his first major championship with New Japan against Justin Thunder Liger. Yeah, that's a great fucking yeah. name. For a second, I thought you just like misspelled <laughs> his fucking name. No. It but then was, I remembered we're in Japan yeah, wrestling. Yeah, it was Jushin. Maybe Hushin. I don't know. Jushin Thunder Liger. He then lost the title in November of 1990 against Liger again. And it was after that that Chris reinvented himself as the Wild Pegasus. He spent a couple years in Japan winning the Best of Super Juniors tournament twice in 1993 and 94. He wrestled out of New Japan from time to time and Mexico and Europe and won a few championships, including the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. Chris Benoit had a short stint with the WCW, the World Championship Wrestling. After a tag team loss, he returned back to New Japan. 
August of 1994, in between New Japan tours, he began working with the ECW, the Extreme Championship Wrestling, and became known as the Crippler after defeating Rocco Rock. Oh, jeez. You don't want to have that. You don't want to go up against someone called the Crippler. In a November to Remember show, Chris accidentally broke the neck of an opponent named Sabu and broke down after the event thinking he was responsible for paralyzing him. Sabu was not paralyzed and continued wrestling until 2021. Is it Sabu or Sabu? Probably Sabu. I, I don't know. I didn't watch WCW until later in life. From that point on, Chris Benoit was known as Crippler Benoit. Crippler Ben. Chris signed with the WCW in 1995. He started out having many matches with his former new champion rivals. After impressing the higher-ups in the WCW, Chris approached Ric Flair and the booking staff, and they made him a member of the Four Horsemen. The group also had Flair, Arn Anderson, and Brian Pillman. The Horsemen were an alliance group to end Hulkamania. Yes. The Horsemen also teamed up with the Dungeon of Doom. But the alliance eventually died when Dungeon leader and WCW booker Kevin Sullivan began feuding with Brian Pillman. After Pillman left for the WWF, Benoit and Kevin Sullivan began feuding with each other. They would have violent interactions at pay-per-view events. The WCW arranged to have a, quote, fake affair begin with Chris Benoit and Kevin's wife, Nancy. They were made to spend time together to make the affair seem real. This stunt didn't end well, though. Chris Benoit and Nancy developed a real affair, which only fueled the hatred fire that Kevin and Chris had for each other. Chris Benoit and Nancy would eventually marry. Talk about taking your work home with you. Oh, right? no like, kidding. what happened to a good work life balance? <laughs> like, don't fuck your work. Well, you know, but the stunt was like for show, but it just like totally backfired. <laughs> like, the, you know, wrestlers are actors. Maybe he was just very method. <laughs> Chris Benoit's wrestling career flourished. Signing with the WWE and teaming up with successful wrestlers like Chris Jericho, Malenko, and Eddie Guerrero and Saturn, creating the tag team group The Radicals. Oh my god, the spelling. Yeah, that is it, though. <laughs> the Radicals, and we wear fucking sneakers and sideways hats and denim. He had many epic wins with the WWE, becoming a quick fan favorite. It was during his time with the WWE that Chris formed a very close friendship and bond with Eddie Guerrero, both coming up in the industry together. Both Chris and Eddie had an epic win at WrestleMania 20 in 2004, Chris Benoit winning Raw's World Heavyweight title and Eddie Guerrero winning SmackDown's WWE Championship. The pair shared an emotional embrace in the ring with their belts. A photo of that moment remains one of the most iconic pictures in professional wrestling history. Sadly, in November of 2005, Eddie Guerrero passed away at the age of 38 from an enlarged heart. This was a shock to all wrestlers and fans, creating a deep sadness within the community. Eddie's death severely impacted Chris Benoit. Here's a clip of a very emotional tribute message he made when WWE was covering a tribute for Eddie. Eddie Guerrero is my best friend, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that he knew that would be able to say the, the, the same thing about him. He was such, such a beautiful person, such a kind-hearted person. Um, I couldn't find the, the right, I couldn't find the words. Words couldn't describe what, what kind of a, a human being Eddie truly was. Um, 
I've known Eddie for just about 15 years and spent a good portion of them 15 years with him on the road. Uh, we laughed together, cried together, you know, fought each other. We've, we've, we've been up and down each and every mountain, each and every highway. Um, and Eddie, Eddie, Eddie always led by example. You know, he, he was he was the one friend that I had that I that I could go to and pour my heart out to if I was going through something, if, if I if I had a, a personal issue or a personal problem, he was the one guy that I could call and, and, and talk to and, and know that he would understand and, and he would he would he would talk me out of it, you know, because of, of all the experiences that, that he'd been through. I, I believe in leading by example and Eddie always led by example through his life, through, through the obstacles that he went through and, and, and conquered and became a better person. And, and he'd often use that as an example. Um, a lot of times we'd, we'd travel on the road together. So on the road, it's so chaotic. And so, I mean, from the time we got up in the morning, we'd be two hours behind schedule. But we, it's funny because we'd, we'd pull up to a gym and we'd find ourselves sitting outside the gym for up to an hour, an hour and a half, just talking. We'd just sit there, sit in the car, talking, talking about life, talking about the past, present, future. We'd just talk about life. Eddie was, was, was that, that kind of friend to me. And, and not only then, but you know, after the shows, it'd be, it'd be one in the morning, and we'd be sat in the car till you know, three in the morning, talking about life, talking about things and issues and problems and, and um, everything. We talked about everything. We never, we never left each other without telling each other that we loved each other. And I, 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 I truly can say that I, I, I love, I love Eddie Guerrero. He's, he's, he's a man that, that, that I can say I, I love, and I love his family, and my heart, and my thoughts and my prayers go out to his wife Vicky, Shaw, Cheryl, and, and Kaylee. Can't imagine the sorrow that that they're going through right now and, and the emotions that that they're feeling. But I want them to know that my my prayers and my thoughts are, are with them. And Eddie, I, I know I know that that you you're in a better place, and I know that you're looking down on me right now. And I want you to know that I love you. <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> Eddie, you made <laughs> you made such a great impression on, on my life, and I want to thank you for everything you've ever given me. I want to thank you from my heart and tell you that I love you and I'll never forget you. And I will see each other again. I love you, Eddie. <laughs> WWE wrestler Chavo Guerrero, Eddie's nephew, was the one that broke the news to Chris and said all he heard on the other end of the line was a wail of gutted emotion. He described it as a wail from deep down, the wail of a broken heart. 
Vicky Guerrero had said that Chris would break down uncontrollably to her and worried that his later discovered CTE was causing him to not be able to control his emotions. Jared, what, what, what's CTE? I'll get to that. All right, folks. Yep. Teaser. Hold on. <laughs> Hold your breath. Jericho, Chris's wife Nancy, and his sister all shared great concern for Chris after Eddie's death. They were worried he was on the verge of a breakdown. On June 11, 2007, Chris Benoit had his final appearance on Raw. He wrestled his final match against Elijah Burke and defeated him. Chris's final walkout was an emotional one, choking back tears while watching his fans cheer him on. And I did watch it on YouTube, and it really is emotional watching him. Yeah. On June 22nd, Chris was scheduled for a weekend of shows. On the Friday, he failed to show up for the pay-per-view event show he was scheduled to appear in. He claimed his wife Nancy and seven-year-old son Daniel were very ill with food poisoning and that he was taking them to the hospital. They announced at the event that it was a family emergency. He was scheduled for an ECW championship the next day, a Saturday, and assured his agent that he would be on the next flight. He was set to appear with Chavo Guerrero, Eddie's nephew. He was a no-show again for the Saturday show. Chavo appeared on Jericho's podcast and discussed the last conversation he had with Chris Benoit. After the second missed appearance, Chavo missed a call from Chris. He said when he called Chris back, he asked if he was all right, and Chris replied saying, quote, he's just having a really hard weekend and with Nancy and Daniel being sick, end quote. It was a brief conversation, but Chris confirmed he would be arriving at the Houston airport on Sunday at 8 a.m., and Chavo was to pick him up for their event. Chavo did say on the Jericho podcast that his last conversation with Chris Benoit was strange. Before ending the call, he said, quote, Chavo, I love you, end quote. Chavo said that it wasn't unusual for the guys to say this to one another, but this time it just felt different. However, they were set to see each other at the airport the next day. In the middle of the night at 3.53 a.m., Chavo received a text message that said, quote, The dogs are in the enclosed pool area. Garage side door is open. End quote. A few seconds later, he received the exact same message, only this time it came from Nancy's phone. Chris then followed the text with another one giving his physical address. Chavo, finding it strange, decided to leave the messages knowing that he was going to see Chris shortly at the airport, so he went back to sleep. These texts were also sent to four other people saying the same thing. Chris Benoit did not show up at the Houston airport. After waiting four hours, Chavo came to the conclusion that this was just going to be another no-show. WWE grew concerned. This was the third no-show from Chris, so they contacted his home phone and cell phone, receiving no answer. They checked local hospitals but didn't find anything. They left Chris a voicemail at 7 p.m. on the Sunday, asking him to call back, saying they hope everything is okay. The recipients of his text messages kept them discreet, thinking they were protecting Chris, but they eventually notified Chris's agent about them, and at noon the next day, which was a Monday, Chris Benoit's agent contacted Fayetteville police requesting a welfare check. When the police showed up, a neighbor came to assist, saying she could go in and help with the dogs, as she cares for them when the family is away, and the police agreed. Shortly after entering the home, she was heard screaming, then came running back outside, saying she found seven-year-old Daniel, and he's dead. 
Police immediately searched the property and found Nancy dead in the upstairs bedroom, Daniel dead in his bedroom, and Chris Benoit deceased in the basement by an apparent suicide. Nancy was found bound and wrapped in a towel. There was a Bible left next to her body. The autopsy report indicated that Chris had likely pressed his knee into her back while pulling on a cord around her neck. Though there were no signs of a struggle, that doesn't entirely mean there wasn't one. Now, that's just my opinion only, but Chris was a huge guy, and he, in my opinion, he likely could have overpowered her with ease. Or he could overpower majority of people. With ease, He was gigantic. Yeah. Toxicology did find alcohol in her system, but couldn't determine if it was present at the time of death or if this was a product of decomposition. Her medical examiner saw no evidence that she was sedated at the time of her death. Daniel Benoit was found deceased in his bedroom. A Bible was also left next to his body. His autopsy revealed he had Xanax in his system and was likely unconscious at the time of his death. The autopsy revealed that Daniel had been suffocated. His body also showed signs of decomposition, but was not as far along as his mother, Nancy, which means he was likely killed after his mother. Yeah, but how long after? That's awfully scary. Chris Benoit was found hanging from his lat pull-down machine in the basement. Oh, my God. A search into his computer would later find that he had searched, quote, the quickest and easiest way to break a neck, end quote. And that is entirely what he did. He he put the weight down on the lat pull-down machine, tied it around his neck, like with a towel, and then just let the bar go. And then it, it snapped his neck. Holy shit. A memory was held for Daniel and Nancy on July 14th, 2007. They were both cremated with their ashes put in starfish-shaped urns. Nancy's family has possession of their ashes. Chris Benoit was cremated as well. Who has possession of his ashes is not public. There is a lot of discussion over his motive for the murders and suicide. It was reported that Nancy had filed for divorce in May of 2003 after domestic abuse allegations, but had withdrawn it in August of 2003. Hmm. That's interesting. A theory of roid rage floated around for a while due to elevated levels of the synthetic anabolic steroid testosterone uh, cypionate was found in his urine. Investigators believe that the level found suggested it had been taken recently. Finally, and the theory I believe to be most likely, is that Chris Benoit had suffered from multiple untreated concussions throughout his wrestling career. A test of Chris Benoit's brain was run by Julian Bales, the head of neurosurgery at West Virginia University. The results showed, quote, that Chris Benoit's brain was so severely damaged, it resembled the brain of an 85-year-old Alzheimer's patient. Jesus. End quote. Yeah. Very much like um, Aaron Rodriguez, the football player. That's fucking crazy. Further tests also showed that his brain tissue revealed severe chronic traumatic encephalopathy, more commonly known as CTE. Oh boy, here we get to find out what it is. And he had damage to all four lobes of his brain and brainstem. CTE can lead to dementia and severe behavioral problems. Several wrestlers said it was not unusual for Chris to take a chair to the head during shows. Wrestlers are encouraged to see the on-site doctor after their matches, but Chris would usually opt out of these. 
Oh, it wasn't even required? I bet you now it is, but in my opinion, it is very likely that if he saw a doctor, these concussions would have been found and he likely would have had to retire from wrestling, potentially saving lives. Now I wonder if it is mandatory to see the on-site doctor. Yeah, no kidding. And I believe there was like a huge lawsuit with the, the WWE regarding steroid use yes, as well. Yes, yeah, I did come across was that, that was in that my a, research. Was that after this? Um, no, I believe it was it was during, like prior and during, prior to the tragedies. and. Yeah, because McMahon had to step away from running the company yeah. to, to do these trials. Yeah, I came across that in my research. WWE released a statement breaking the news to fans. It read, quote, World Wrestling Entertainment was informed today by authorities in Fayette County, Georgia, that WWE superstar Chris Benoit, his wife Nancy, and his son were found dead in their home. Authorities are investigating, but no other details are available at this time. Instead of its announced programming for tonight on USA Network, WWE will air a three-hour tribute to Chris Benoit. Chris was beloved among his fellow superstars and was a favorite among WWE fans for his unbelievable athleticism and wrestling ability. He always took great pride in his performance and always showed respect for the business he loved, for his peers, and towards his fans. This is a terrible tragedy and an unbearable loss. WWE extends its sincere condolences and prayers to the surviving members of the Benoit family and their loved ones in this time of tragedy. However, once the details of their deaths were released, Vince McMahon released a follow-up statement to his fans and the public that went as follows. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Last night on Monday Night Raw, the WWE presented a special tribute show recognizing the career of Chris Benoit. However, now some 26 hours later, the facts of this horrific tragedy are now apparent. Therefore, other than my comments, there will be no mention of Mr. Benoit's name tonight. On the contrary, tonight's show will be dedicated to everyone who has been affected by this terrible incident. This evening marks the first step of the healing process. Tonight, WWE performers will do what they do better than anyone else in the world, entertain you. A few wrestlers have spoken out regarding the tragedy and Chris Benoit. Kurt Angle said, quote, This is not WWE's fault and this is not Vince McMahon's fault. Chris Benoit was responsible for his actions. Hulk Hogan commented saying, He was peaceful and kept to himself. And I think it had to be something personal, a domestic problem between him and his wife. Wrestler MVP and Booker T have only said good things about Chris, focusing on who he was as a person when he was alive and the moments they shared with him in the ring. MVP has stated that he considered Chris a mentor to him in wrestling and was a master of his craft and fondly speaks about how much Chris Benoit had taught him while working together. Batista released an autobiography just three months after the tragedy. WWE lawyers fought very hard to have Batista remove all mentions of Chris Benoit from the book, but Batista fought hard against it, saying he loved Benoit and wouldn't erase him from his life because of what he did. Batista pointed out that he despises the act Benoit committed, but he couldn't forget the many good times they shared before then. Chris Benoit remained in Batista's book. Chris Jericho also remains mostly positive about his memories with his close friend and fellow wrestler, Chris Benoit. He also had an episode of his podcast dedicated to Chris's greatest matches and moments. Huh. Wow. 
Vince McMahon is unforgiving towards Chris and is clear about that when asked. Chris Benoit had a son from his first marriage. David Benoit was 15 when his father's crimes took place. Now 28 years old, he has spoken out more in interviews regarding his father. He said in a sit-down 2020 interview with Chris Van Vliet that it was a very hard time for him, but he spoke to his father last on Father's Day and was able to say I love you one last time while they were making plans to see each other next. Of his father's crimes, he says, quote, That wasn't him. He would never do that. I think something went terribly wrong. The doctor said he had CTE. He had CTE, so I don't think that was him, end quote. David Benoit hopes to become a professional wrestler himself with the AEW, the All Elite Wrestling. So that wraps up our story on the Canadian wrestler Chris Benoit and the tragic deaths of his wife Nancy Benoit and son Daniel. I wasn't as shocked with this one because I've heard the story multiple times. Yes, we are big fans of, of wrestling. Yeah, we love wrestling. Mm-hmm. Shit, I didn't realize that's how he he killed them like mm-hmm. and how he killed himself. I did not know that was the method. Mm -hmm. That's pretty awful. And his wife was found bound, like, with her her hands and legs tied. So, you know, like, he he knew he was following through with this. It wasn't a crime of passion. What's interesting, though, is the they said there wasn't signs of a struggle. And I know you said that doesn't mean there wasn't one. But you can just, like, imagine, like, maybe things similar to this started happening before yeah. and they always like like she was always to talk always able to talk him down or something mm-hmm. or he, he like you would only take it so far and she knew like she he had issues yeah and she so this happened in 2007 she had filed for divorce in may of 2003 and then withdrew it in august of 2003 so three months in between there and then remained with him up until that point um, uh, I feel awful for the child, though. My goodness. Oh, my God. I know. Um, and just hearing that clip of him and his tribute to Eddie Guerrero is like the hardest thing to watch and listen to. Yeah, it was tough. It's interesting how McMahon is like so dead set. Uh, like he he has decided how he feels about the whole thing and it will not bend. I did read, too, that Triple H feels the same way and i'm like well no shit you do you're like pretty much the heir of wwe yeah you know so you're not gonna say anything other than i wonder if stephanie and um what's the uh what's the son's name shane shane yeah Yeah, i wonder if they feel the same way Uh it makes you like i wonder if that's that's just like uh i wonder if that's just like the mcmahon family is very like close and they're like family values are they religious do you know they're republicans so they're awesome. <laughs> I do know, um, regardless of what they feel about it, they would probably keep it. If if they had any uh, compassion towards Chris Benoit, they would probably keep it close to, or to themselves because of their father's public views on it. Yeah. Well, and, and also, it it's sad to say, like, I feel like he had no other recourse like after doing a three-hour tribute and then finding out that he was the one who did the murder suicide yeah like you you got to do a super autocorrect on to that mm-hmm. and so going straight to we're never mentioning his name again yeah i think it was the only appropriate thing they could do you know just to maintain any sort of uh public 
yeah persona or like and he's also representing a company yeah even hulk hogan seemed to be pretty compassionate towards him you know like yeah but uh again with aaron rodriguez the football player that was convicted of murder and then um he ended up committing suicide in prison like they they ran tests on his brain and it was very much the same thing really yeah and i just wonder if had chris benoit gone to these doctors after each match what it would have shown was he avoiding these doctors because he didn't want to be forced to retire was he that passionate about wrestling he didn't want to risk being told no you're done yeah no kidding but, it, uh, you know, I just can't imagine the the thoughts that you have running inside you to drive you to do something like that. And it was very, it was very, I'm curious to know if it happened before he said in the phone call that his wife and son had food poisoning. Really? Or, I'm, well, rem- remember he says, oh, I can't come to the Friday night show because his oh, wife yeah. and son had food poisoning. Yeah. We already know the son died after the mother. Was it a day after? Was it still Friday, but hours later? But I'm curious to know if he had already killed them before that conversation had taken place. You know, or if he was just debating it and and said, oh, I can't go due to food poisoning, and then it happened after. But it was obviously premeditated if he was looking up the best and fastest way to break your neck. I wonder if Google actually said that. Or, uh, I don't know if it at, was Google. It was 2007. And so maybe Yahoo mm-hmm. or Ask Jeeves. Mm-hmm. Ask Jeeves is like, actually, you know, you know when you're like walking around and you just okay, killed your family and you have to kill yourself. We've already had our poor fans here, <laughs> all three of you, for um, 40 minutes. So we well, should wrap it up. Why don't we end on uh, a Dylan McDermott quote? Okay, well, what a segue. What a segue. <laughs> Well, you can edit that out and Fine. do a better No, segue. no. We'll end on a Dylan McDermott quote. Listen, folks. And now for the wise words of Dylan McDermott. Jerry Bruckheimer really is an executive producer who obviously is the most successful producer in the history of film and television. Amen. <laughs> Amen. No kidding. Well, thank you for that. We'll see you folks next time. Have a lovely, lovely week. Thank you for joining us. Take care. Bye-bye now. Ta-ta. Goodbye. You can check us out on YouTube at Catam Concoction. That's C-A-T-A-M-C-O-N-C-O-C-T-I-O-N. <laughs> and on Instagram at cast underscore aghast. Remember, there's a silent H. <laughs> <laughs>
No, there's no point talking. <laughs> Chris was on his high school. Chris is on. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Let's read the words. Chris is. Oh my god. My god. He wrestled out of New Japan from. He wrestled out of New Japan. <laughs> New Japan. He wrestled out of New Japan. Oh my god! I hate you so much. He wrestled out of New Japan from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> Reading words. Okay, uh, okay stop. <laughs> You're hooked on phonics. I know. I just, I just can't help but think to myself, why do they call him Chris Benoit, but they call Detroit Detroit? August of 1994, in between New Japan tours, he began working with the ECU, Extreme Championship Wrestling, and became, and became known. And became known. August of 1994, in between New Japan tours, he became... Ah! Four horsemen, like... Was it like wrestlers who just came out on horses and... The horsemen... Like, like a horse takes a shit in the ring, or... The horsemen were an alliance oh. group... <laughs> You were going to say that anyway. Yeah. So. There was a Bible lex. There was a Bible. Le blah, blah, blah. Blah. A test of Chris Benoit's brain was one. A test by Chris Benoit's. Blah. For his peer. Oh, fuck off. I know. Me, me too. <laughs> These commas. Batista released an autobiography. <laughs> Sorry. Batista <laughs> released an autobatista. <laughs> That's Just what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wrote an auto Batista. <laughs> but he was, but he, oh my goodness. But he was spoke. <laughs> Grammarly. <laughs> Grammarly. 